Hi, I'm Michael Siddle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to a special episode of Trendline, where we're talking about the uh, fallout from the Ontario provincial election this week, an absolute crushing victory for the progressive conservatives. And Nick, we've seen two opposition leaders uh, resign in the aftermath of this. So let's let's go back over this uh, election. I mean, how, how did the polling match up with what we saw last night? Well, the, the CTV News CP24 Nanos polling did quite well. You know, when you look at the trend line, uh, we're basically spot on. We're with, we were within the margin of error and we kind of captured the fact that the progressive conservatives are going to a crushing, as you mentioned, uh, victory. Um, and, you know, the, the thing is, is uh, this was an interesting an election because it was quite unusual. You know, when was the last time, you know, we saw, for example, you know, the two opposition parties or two of the parties almost in a statistical dead heat at like 23.7% each. It was like the mm. perfect scenario, perfect scenario for the progressive conservatives to split that progressive vote and, uh, and capture more seats. Yeah. How, I mean, overall, uh, just your, your trend, I saw the NDP starting to inch upwards and, uh, and the liberals just seem to kind of not go off a cliff, but, uh, but they really lost support quickly and then ended up in this bizarre statistical ties, as you said. And, and yeah. so what, what's the difference between that? I mean, how, how does it really affect how many seats they can win when they're just under 30% and they're, and they're uh, at the same as their rival? Well, what was absolutely clear was that uh, in our seat projections that we were doing, the modeling that we we're doing was that the NDP support was more efficient at converting into seats than the Liberal support. The Liberals won some seats by massive margins, like in the mm. down, downtown Toronto and stuff like that, but it's like inefficient. So uh, as a result, the, you know, and, you know, we have to remember the Liberals now will not have official party status for another four years. Mm -hmm. So this this is this is going to be for the liberals a major in in ontario a major problem there will be a lost generation of liberal organizers candidates you know apparatchiks you know there'll be a lost generation because there won't be those jobs uh that come with either being in the government or the opposition and uh it'll be eight years in the wilderness where the the liberal party of ontario once mighty once ruled for more than a decade Mm -hmm. Now, doesn't even register as a party in the at, at Queen's Park. So it's going to take a while for the for the provincial liberals to recover from this. And I'm not sure it's going to happen, you know, between now and uh, and the next four years. I think they have to think of a rebuilding that's going to take much, much longer. So, uh, Nick, uh, both liberal leader uh, Stephen Del Duca and Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath, they both resigned. They both announced that they were stepping down last night. So where should these parties go in the future? I mean, what can they what can they learn from this? And, and what sort of a leader do they need to to rebuild? This was, you know, this was a really bizarre election because, you know, as someone that was watching it like throughout, I was really surprised by the fact that I didn't think that either the liberals or the New Democrats landed any punches mm -hmm. on uh, on Doug Ford. And it almost seemed like for the liberals, I thought that it seemed like their campaign, they were running, trying to run a safe campaign where they were running to be second as part of a longer term strategy. But you know what? Running for second basically dooms your ability to uh, win and, and challenge. And I just had that feeling as I watched the liberal campaign throughout. And you know, for Andrea Horvath and the New Democrats, this still has to be disappointing, you know, even mm -hmm. though they're the opposition. The fact of the matter is, is, you know, their popular support went down 
compared to their breakthrough election in 2018. The number of seats that they had went down. And, uh, and you know, for Andrea Horvath, she didn't have that same type of stellar, exciting performance that she had in 2018. She was flat. So, but this is for the con progressive conservatives, total victory. We've never seen this. We don't see this very often. Not only did they win the, the same percentage as they did pretty well back in 2018, their main opponents resigned. Like, so it's not just victory in the number of seats, not mm -hmm. just victory in, in the percentage support. They crushed it. They crushed their opponents. And uh, now their two other main uh, challengers have to have, to have a, a, a complete rebuild to, uh, to be competitive with, uh, with Doug Ford. And, and now I think we should just say, Ontario is now the Ford nation. You know, before, mm. before this, I would hazard to say that Toronto was the Ford nation because of Rob Ford and Doug Ford and the one election win. Now with a second election win, Ontario is now firmly in the column of the Ford nation and the progressive conservative party of Ontario is his. Mm. It's his movement and his new coalition that he's built, which is now basically a new conservative juggernaut in Ontario. And Doug Ford did this with the lowest voter turnout in Ontario's history. I want to talk about that later and later in the show, but, but, uh, and, and we will get into that. But, but first, if you are a federal uh, political party in this country, and you see this overwhelming victory by Doug Ford's uh, progressive conservatives, I mean, what's your takeaway from this? What, what, what are you learning from this? Well, if you're a, if you're a federal liberal, you're looking at the liberal brand in Ontario, just basically got a beating. Right. That there was no there was no political brand coattails for the liberals or, or kind of a residual draw. Uh, and uh, and, you know, that's one of the key the key takeaways. The other thing is, is that, you know, the uh, the conservatives picked up seats. You know, think of it this way. Back. We just had a federal election. There are seats that voted liberal in the last federal election in Ontario. And now we're voting progressive conservative last uh, in, in the in the most recent Ontario election. Like the Bramptons, right? Mm. The Bramptons, I think they're all liberal federally. And this week's election, all conservative. Like yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So uh, if you're a federal liberal organizer, you're going to be looking at this and thinking, you know, the brand is on its back heels in Ontario. Mm. Um, the party doesn't even have party status. People are grumpy. And uh, they opted for uh, they opted for a pragmatic alternative. You know, for the for the new Democrats, they have to be disappointed. You know, for Jugmeet Singh, on a personal basis, his brother lost, mm -hmm. right? One of those Brampton seats, mm -hmm. and uh, you know that's not just a a setback for the party in Ontario, but that's also a setback for uh, Jugmeet Singh on a, on a personal basis because it's his brother. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then you know, for the new Democrats, you know, they came across as tired. So. You know, I think they have to be worried. And now if you're a conservative, the one thing about the uh, about the federal conservatives, you got to be looking at this and it's like the new franchise for victory in Ontario. Mm. The, we'll call it the Ford franchise for now. What is that? It's not being ideological. It's not being kind of over the top. It's being pragmatic, right? Mm -hmm. Being realistic, being consistent. And, uh, and, you know, I think if you're one of those uh, federal leadership aspirants, you, you got to be looking at this. And uh, I, I also noticed that Pierre Poiliev just recently tweeted that he wanted to roll back vaccine mandates and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. That is in complete opposition to what Doug Ford, like Doug Ford kicked conservatives out of caucus because they refused to 
share their vaccination status or get vaccinated. So hey, Pierre Poiliev, maybe this is a little bit of a wake-up call that if you want to have traction to win in Ontario, mm-hmm. look at what Doug Ford is doing. I mean, we, we, you've said this in, in you know, several past uh, Trendline episodes, Nick, that, that the, the, the middle is kind of opened up in the, in the Canadian political spectrum, that, that there's a lot of uh, place to grow if you're, if you're a progressive conservative government or a, cons- or a federal conservative government. Uh, so, so what do you think this means for uh, Jean Charest and, and people who are more sort of, I guess, center-right uh, federally? Well, I think for, we should put Jean Charest and Patrick Brown together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think this speaks to a certain level of pragmatism. Let's face it, Doug Ford accepted subsidized daycare from the liberals, like the 10 buck a day. Like mm-hmm. who would have thought, who would have thought of that? And, you know, the, the Ford government um, has, during the pandemic, uh, engaged in stimulus spending. You know, uh, you know, even though they are uh, they are conservative minded and uh, fiscally very conservative. And this speaks to, you know, him basically, uh, you know, not abandoning conservative principles, but just being pragmatic. You know what? Most most voters are not ideological. Mm -hmm. They want pragmatic decisions and decision makings from their uh, elected officials. That's what I think Ontarians believe that they're getting. With Doug Ford and the uh, the pandemic was a case in point. When he made a mistake, he said, "I made a mistake, and we're gonna we're gonna fix that." And at the same time, he was consistent. I think, uh, and you know, Jason Kenney could have taken a lesson from Doug Ford because Jason Kenney was too ideological, and uh, as a result, uh, you know, he's a political casualty right mm-hmm. now. Uh, Nick, the other big story in this uh, Ontario election is the historic low voter turnout, the, the lowest voter turnout in Ontario's history. I think it's something like 43%. 43. So, so Doug Ford has won this crushing victory. But I think, you know, for all the eligible voters who could have cast a ballot, uh, I think he only actually got less than, I don't know, 18% of the votes, unless my math is really bad on this. But, yeah. but that's incredible. Well, it's incredible. First of all, that's the way our system works. So it doesn't diminish from his his victory because you know what? Those are the rules. He won. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually when there's a low voter turnout, that favors incumbents. And that was definitely the case. But I think what happened in this particular election is that uh, for the Liberals and the New Democrats, they ran uninspiring campaigns mm. and people were just not motivated to come out and vote. And they couldn't probably bring themselves for a certain proportion of Ontarians, they couldn't bring themselves to vote for the progressive conservatives, so they stayed home. Hmm. Um, you know, the other, I'd like to say one other thing that's really mm-hmm. interesting about this election, it has to do with the, the ballot numbers by gender. Hmm. Doug Ford, Doug Ford had a 26 point advantage in the ballot numbers among men and among women. It was a three-way tie between the progressive conservatives, the liberals and the NDP. There is a massive gen, a gender divide in this wow. problem. So last night, if you were a male voter, you're fist pumping, right? Because you wanted Ford to win, you wanted him to win big. Hmm. If you were a female voter, you're probably going, I can't believe that Doug Ford has won a majority government because, you know, just as many women would vote for, you know, the liberals, the new Democrats, or the progressive conservatives. Hmm. Uh, Nick, it, it seemed like for the, the Liberals and the NDP, uh, a lot of what they were campaigning on was, was just this message of them not being Doug Ford, not being the progressive conservatives. And, and, and they clearly seem to have a tough time 
engaging with voters on on the issues that you know that matter to them and and you've done polling on this i mean what yeah. what what are those issues what were what were voters looking for well you know it's interesting in the in the last poll that we did for ctv news and cp24 you know we asked ontarians what they wanted the future priorities of the new government whoever that might be mm -hmm. uh to be and you know what's interesting is that uh, at the top of the list, and we saw this throughout the tracking. At the top of the list was uh, focusing on healthcare, and then uh, after that was focusing on the rising cost of living. You know the interesting thing in, in all of this is that you have to think. You know I think one of the reasons why the provincial Liberals did so poorly is because you know in our polling it was very clear that Ford had the advantage on meat and potatoes issues, hmm. the cost of living, housing inflation, gas, all that kind of stuff. He had a clear advantage as being trusted on those issues. The NDP actually had the advantage on healthcare mm -hmm. and trust on healthcare. Del Duca had advantage on nothing, mm -hmm. zip, nada, right? So there was no defining strength, policy strength uh, for him to engage voters. But you know what? Even with this crushing victory that Doug Ford has had over his opponents, his next four years are not going to be easy, you know, like many of the other premiers, because the reality is, is we're still recovering from the pandemic. Inflation and interest rates are on the rise. Housing prices are up. We could have a recession potentially mm -hmm. uh, in the in the in the coming year. And it's going to be it's going to be a difficult time. So, you know, I think for uh, for Doug Ford and the progressive conservatives, they should accept their victory, do their victory lap. But I think they have to start to be prepared to deal with some of these big issues, these meat and potatoes issues and healthcare that Ontarians want to hear about. So winning might have been the easiest, uh, the easiest part of this. You know, the hard work is ahead for him. So Yeah. And, and you know what? The guy's going to get a free ride at Queen's Park because mm -hmm. there's going to be some vacant seats over there on the other side with no clear leader, with opposition parties that probably will not be as sharp in their attacks as they would be if they had a permanent leader. So uh, yeah, it's like shadow puppets, man. It's just gonna be like shadow puppets in uh, in Queens Park where Ford's gonna go up and it's just gonna, he's, he's gonna get a free ride. He's probably gonna get a free ride in, at Queens Park in the in the parliament, uh, at least until the, uh, the Liberals and NDP pick successors to Del Duca and Horvath. Uh, Nick, it was just an absolute fascinating uh, outcome. Uh, and, and always thank you very much for your analysis. Thank you.